Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and once again I'm joined by Stevie Mullen. Welcome back to the show Stevie, how are you? How's your week been? I'm doing well, everything's been good Paul, thanks for having me through. How have you been enjoying the international break? It's not really my, my cup of tea, I do have a few comments to make, you know, last week we were told about all the guys we had to sign based on one game, now we've lost two of the last three, they all changed, last week we had to sign, who is it? O'Donnell, Marshall, Gallagher, McGinn, Dykes, and the manager Stevie Clark, who wouldn't you know concede the goals that Celtic conceded, and then what happens last night? One and one at the back, and McTominay made Shane Duffy look very mobile when they scored their goal. So, no, no, for me, unfortunately, delighted that they went through, and it's going to be a benefit of Scottish football. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have the passion that some of your other guests have for the national team. See when we look at that, one of the big things that uh, I speak about is having that kind of aspiration as a young footballer. So when you're coming through, 22 years, whole generation of youngsters coming through, they're not aspiring to be that guy that's playing for Scotland, you know. So you see, um, time and time again, Stevie, young kids running about the streets are playing football, and they're wearing, you know, Ronaldo tops, Messi tops, Chelsea, Man United, and slowly and gradually, through a whole generation, people are, have lost interest in the Scottish national. Sport. So what I'm looking at is 
having our own heroes. And I, I think that's the biggest thing I'll ever take from the qualification this week. You want kids to look at John McGinn. You want them to look at McTominay and say, maybe I can play for Manchester United. You know, because um, you're, you're looking at him as a role model, almost. You know, the way he's gone about his business and gone down there and made it, as has John McGinn. McGinn started off slowly, you could guess. You know, looking at his early days at St Mirren, coming through the ranks and then obviously getting his move to Hibs. Hibs were swift enough to bring him in at the right time. And then he's moved down south. But on the flip side of that, I do have concerns about some of the guys who are already established, like Ryan Christie specifically, Callum McGregor, who are looking along alongside uh, the Scotland teammates at you know Tierney, Armstrong, um, and also Robertson, and looking at the wages that they're on. I mean, Lyndon Dykes, I'm pretty sure, um, is on much bigger wages now that he's down in London, Stevie. So I think it's a double-edged sword uh, in one way. When Ryan Christie goes out there and performs as he did, certainly in the first game, um, and then obviously he gets all the accolades and the interview afterwards obviously was a big part of that um, it makes me worry that we're going to lose him and hopefully we don't certainly in January because I've said time and time again on this podcast I think he's pivotal to any success Celtic have this season but again if you look at last week and, and I watched the game against Serbia no amount of money no amount of accolades big houses or big cars will give you that sheer emotion and joy that the Scotland players displayed when they went through that's why you started playing football as a child. That's what takes you to get to the level. But nobody paid them to do that. That was just sheer unbridled joy. That's what you play football for. All these other things that you mentioned should be a benefit and an add-on to that you get for being a good footballer. That's what you play football for. That sheer emotion. And that's what got to the Scotland fans. It wasn't the performance because the manager could have put you out quite easily by horrendous substitutes. Yeah. Absolutely, but it's like you say, almost everything is contrived now in the world of football, Stevie. Every tweet, every photograph, every Instagram, whatever. Uh, footballers, everything's set up. But that was one moment where we all remembered what it was that made us fall in love with football. It was that passion, it was that emotion, it was great to see. And of course, you know, as Celtic fans, we look at some of these guys, like, for example, David Marshall, uh, getting his moment of, of glory saving the penalty. Um, and I think, you know, when we looked at Marshall coming through, we all hoped he would be a Celtic goalie for years and years to come. It wasn't to be. Uh, what is it about Celtic's policy whereby, you know, he's probably the last goalkeeper, and that was 20 years ago or so, that came through the ranks at Celtic? But if you're David Marshall, David Marshall comes to a great family, really, really nice young man. But David Marshall has to leave Celtic. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I'd ask all the Celtic fans who are clamouring for him to get back. At the time when David Marshall was breaking through, who would you have chosen to be your goalkeeper? David Marshall or Arthur Boric? I think universally Arthur Boric would have been chosen as a better goalkeeper. You know, so... Do you bring David Marshall back at 36 years of age because he makes a great penalty save? I, I don't think you do. I've seen a lot of people suggesting you know, it this week, Stephen. De- 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 Declan Gallagher, we'll have to go and sign Declan Gallagher. Declan Gallagher's now 29, 29. years of age. Yep. And I've never heard one comment to, uh, prior to the Serbia game Celtic should be interested in signing Declan. No. The boy O'Donnell, could they have a club during the summer? Tomorrow we'll take a gamble on him. Didn't he hear a clamour to sign him? London Dykes played against us. Ah, he's not really that good. He's just playing against Celtic. No worth the sign. It's, it's, it's madness to try and have this policy based on one game. And knee-jerk. It's knee-jerk. One thing that I've spoken this week about, Stevie, you mentioned the goalkeeper situation. It's something we'll need to touch on, I think, uh, going into Easter Road um, on Saturday is, what do we do with this now? Uh, we've got a situation where Barkas is out of the side I would expect him to come back in Easter Road you were calling for it just the other week there in the European game I think you wanted Barkas back in Uh, Baines number two Celtic fans this week have been talking like you say about Marshall coming back there's been talk about Fraser Foster uh, in January it's not about time we just thought well we brought this this guy Barkas in we need to try and get him a a number of games and get recognised defenders in front of him in a partnership not just between the two centre-halves, but also the goalkeeper behind them. Uh, because that's what they were brought in for. He's a big signing, four and a half million. Has he shown enough to you that he could be your number one established this season? I think he's got to start. If you're not going to start, and I'll say this and I'll repeat it again, I've said it prior to this, I'm going to say it again. If he can't get in in front of Scott Bain, we need to get rid of him in January and bring in somebody who can be a number one. We can't have a four and a half million pound goalkeeper playing back up to Scott Bain because it proves that the scouting of Barkas would be 100% wrong. Do you think 
Celtic are considering it. We've heard news for uh, Manchester United's backup goalie. We've heard um, a rumour around Forster, and there's been this clamour, as you say, around Marshall. Well played to David Marshall. Wish him all the best. But as you say, that that ship has sailed, uh, in my opinion. Do you see Celtic going out and getting another goalie in January? Because I'm of the view that there's just a few wee tweaks required now in this, this team and I think over the international break uh, we, we've got to uh, look at players like Shane Duffy who we've brought in he performed pretty well for Republic Island Stevie hopefully that gives him a bit of confidence there's other players that I'm a wee bit more concerned about that I wish hadn't played three full games Ryan Christie and Callum McGregor being the two obvious ones but I think Duffy needed that he needed the minutes in his legs does he return at Easter Road at centre half? I think it would depend on what condition Julian comes back. Mm. If Julian comes back and the manager and the coaching staff deem him fit to play, I would start Julian, but I would start Duffy in front and near Beaton because I don't know if you've seen any of the Scotland game last night. They attack, South Scotland attack constantly against near Beaton because his lack of pace was really, really alarming last night. Mm-hmm. The amount of times that Ryan Christie just went past him, Kieran Tierney, Andy Robertson, that, that would be a real worry knowing the pace that Hibernian have. Yeah, it would be a worry. And I think um, as soon as we get an established partnership at the back Stevie uh, the sooner we actually resolve the defensive issues that we've got and I think that's key so I agree with you Barkas and goals you want to read through the rest of your team for for Saturday I think there's a wee bit that we could maybe talk about right if we go through I think Saturday's a vital game Mm. so if you talk about what you would have for your cup final team if everybody's fit so our three goalkeepers is Barkas Bain and Hazard so who would be the number one for me, it's Barkas. Agreed. If you go to the right back position, you've got Frimpong, El Hamid, and Ralston. So who would be your best right back? Defensively, for me, it's El Hamid. So he's yes. going to play for me. Mm-hmm. Your centre backs is Julian, Ayer, Duffy, and Beaton. So for me, the way they've played up to now, if Julian's fit and gets a nod from the coaching staff, I would start with him. If he's not, it would be Shane Duffy. Okay. And Ayer would play next to him. Mm-hmm. Your full backs for the left back position is Laxalt and Taylor. So for me, I think Laxalt is the best player. So the back five for me would be Barkas, Mohamed, Julian, Ayer, or Laxalt with a provisional that if Julian's not fit to play, we would play Shane Duffy. Mm-hmm. So midfield, we've got Christie, Brown, McGregor, Turnbull, Rogic, Sorrell, Elanusi, and Sham. I put an, an X marks to Johnson, Connell, Forrest and Henderson, obviously because some of them are only going to be really considered and the other two are injured. Yep. So for me, it would be Christie, mm-hmm. who would start wide right. I would have Scott Brown playing. He said a nice wee break while everybody's away in international duty. Yep. I would have Callum McGregor and I would have Elanusi. And this is where I think it would be a wee bit dependent on myself and Neil Lennon, you know, what they, who they would choose. If it was me, I would have a Yeti and Eddie. I think Neil Lennon would pick Rogic and Eddie. Mm. Interesting, because I think when you're looking at it that way, there's a few wee aspects of that team. I agree with the, the, the large part of it. There's a few, I mean, do you play Edward? Do you play a Yeti? Do you play Griffiths? I think going by the international performances, certainly, Edward, um, you're hoping has regained some of the confidence and some of the, the form that we know he has. And when he's, he's playing on top form, the guy's unstoppable. So you're kind of hoping that returns. I think at the beginning of the season, you were looking at a partnership, weren't you, Stevie, of Eddie and Ayeti? And it sounded like a great partnership. It looked uh, very impressive. Ayeti, like Brown, has had a, a bit of a rest. So hopefully he'll be coming back fresher. You know, Barkas has had a rest as well. He sat on the bench for a couple of games for Greece. So you're hoping that these things are resolved over the over the piece. But one th- thing I'm going to ask you, you played the game, you're involved in the game. The Brown and McGregor debate um, is that we're playing with two deep-line midfield players, holding midfield players at the moment. And a lot of fans don't think it's necessary. A lot of them are also thinking it's suppressing the real talent of Callum McGregor uh, playing in that position. How do you utilise both those players, Stevie? I, I would have Callum McGregor playing. Again, it depends on the work rate of your midfielders. I think with the personnel that we have at our disposal, excuse me, I think you could play a diamond. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott Brown could be the pivot of the diamond. Yep. Callum McGregor could play to the left. Christie could go to the right. Mm-hmm. But where I think we sometimes struggle 
is in the wide areas when they're attacking my fullbacks. But I think with, with the cover that El Hamid and Laxall would demand. But part of our problem would be that we don't allow our two fullbacks to attack at the same time. That's when our centre forwards, our centre half, sorry, get exposed. Mm-hmm. So one of you's go, the other one stays. So you can switch to a three if it's going to be that Laxalt goes, Elhamid just pulls in and gives the two guys a wee bit of sure. backing. Yep. Elhamid goes, Laxalt. If the two of them go, Scott Brown joins in, we play, it's one punt up the park, we're exposed. Mm-hmm. That's where we are most vulnerable when we're in an attacking formation. We've seen it against Motherwell, we've seen it in Europe, we've seen it against Ross County. Uh, we'll come back to Ross County actually. Uh, because we made a point on the show yesterday about added value and it's been announced that we're going to get the Ross County game, which is tremendous, especially when you've already bought Premier Sports. But that's another <laughs> that's another argument, Stevie. And El Yunusi, I mean, the argument of El Yunusi, obviously, after the European game, public enemy number one, scores a hat-trick against Motherwell, first name in the team sheet. Um, I think when he's on form, Stevie, he's undroppable. Yeah, I got a wee bit of criticism last week after the show because I had says that I thought him and Roger should tackle a wee bit more. Somebody accused me of being an old dinosaur. I just wanted people to kick people. That wasn't what I actually said. I was saying I think you should be able to tackle. I don't want them to be hard, tough tackling guys, but I think you need to be able to put a tackle if you're playing in the midfield. Well, I think there was a couple of obvious occasions in the European game um, involving Rogic, where you're screaming at the screen because we know what he's great at. You know, the, the twinkle toes, he's unbelievable uh, on the ball, but you don't wince out of tackles the way he was doing it in, in Europe. Uh, when we're going to Easter Road, I think they really need a result at the moment, Stevie. And uh, that's going by some of the Hibs, uh, people that we have on various other shows on a state of mind. They're talking about, you know, the Hibs fans are uh, growing really increasingly concerned with uh, Jack Frost over the last couple of games. Just shows you, uh, we've seen at Celtic Park, how quickly these things can turn because he was the Messiah not that long ago. Uh, so they really need a, a result. I think they've got quite a lot of danger men. They've got some obvious ones in the likes of his, but um, I, I don't think uh, Newell's a bad player. I, I've seen him even at Celtic Park when we beat them 3-0. I thought he equipped himself pretty well as well. And, um, you know, there was always that kind of thinking around uh, Frimpong as a defender, I don't think he's a defender. Stevie, I think we can still utilise him uh, in the area that you're currently playing Christie on that right-hand attacking role. That, I think that's his position. Uh, but then on the left-hand side, we've seen Greg Taylor playing pretty well, uh, leading into uh, the last batch of games where he's not really featured. Some fans are, are reckoning that we should go to a flat-back four with Taylor at, at left-back. But you can't drop Laxol. He's been a revelation since he came in. No, I, th- I think Laxalt starts at left back. You know, again, you would have to change your formation, and again, you're trying to just shoehorn guys into positions. So, if that was the case, you play Greg Taylor, you move Laxalt up. Do you drop Elanusi? How do you drop him after scoring that trick? Exactly. You know, it's you, you've got to think who's playing, who's playing well, and what would be your top team on the day. You know, Big Andy always says to me at St Rocks, "You play your cup final team." If everybody's fit and everybody's playing well. Mm-hmm. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh yeah, love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile, unleash your power. And the ding! 
Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. So we're in a position in Saturday that we need to take this as the most important game of the season. We can't take gambles. We can't take risks. We need to come away for Easter Road with the three points. You know, take the pressure off ourselves. If we could put in a sparkling performance, it would be absolutely brilliant. But the most things coming back through the M8 with the three points. I totally agree with that. I mean, we were talking yesterday with Simon Donnelly about Easter Road. It's not been a happy hunting ground for Celtic, certainly in league games. You know, and the the stat came up. You know, 2014 was the last time we won a league game at Easter Road, Stevie. Uh, so it's going to require an excellent performance, I think, or a disciplined performance. A performance would be great. Uh, we really, really need the points on the board, and we're looking over at uh, our our uh, challengers because we are still our challengers and playing Aberdeen and you're hoping well you know during a season Aberdeen are the type of team that you would expect to take something at some point from Rangers can you see it being this weekend? No I, I really don't I, again I've always got serious doubts of Aberdeen you know I, I see some of the brutality that displays itself in games against us and again, I know he was a favourite with the Celtic fans, and I hope he proves me wrong. But the amount of times I've seen Johnny Hayes performing admirably against Celtic has been numerous. I've yet to see him turn on a performance for Aberdeen against Rangers. The whole thing could be turned on its head, of course, if Aberdeen get a result and we get the win that we're hoping that we do get. Stevie, I do rate. Hibs, I think they've done well so far. I still reckon they'll be in the top three this season, uh, come the end of the season. Uh, but there's a few other things for us to look forward to. And we spoke yesterday, Stevie. Give me a prediction, by the way, for the, the Hibs game. 2-0 Celtic. 2-0 Celtic. Can you see Eddie getting back in amongst the goals after his French exertions? I, I just think that Eddie's our best centre-forward, Paul. Yeah, you know, no I, doubt. I, I, I listen to the show every day and sometimes I replay it again to get the other guy's points of view. And I understand that they love a griff what he brings to the team, I understand the Yeti, what he brings. But if you were to put the four of them in front of you, even though you're guessing, go, you can only sign one of them. I think Eddie would be signed 100%. By, by everybody. 100%. You know, the, the great love for Griff. And again, even when the, the fitness levels of Griff, is there anything, and again, I don't want to make up something here, but I'm only putting this as a suggestion, is he anywhere still affected by his mental health? Because that can hinder your progress through just natural fitness. Absolutely. You know, th- this is the. Sometimes you can tell uh, how fit someone is up here just by looking at their body. You're, you're absolutely right, Stevie. So uh, hopefully Lee's good. I mean, we've seen him in action for Scotland and he had a couple of chances, didn't he? I mean, uh, that's the kind of chances you want to fall at the feet of Lee Griffiths. He's 30 years of age. You would hope that, you know, he's looking towards those three games next season as motivation as much as getting back in the Celtic side, you know, playing in the finals. Uh, something that I don't think anyone ever took it for granted, but. Uh, there was an expectancy level in the past that Scotland would qualify. We've missed it for 22 years, Stevie. We have a lot of people on here and on other shows on A State of Mind where we talk about youth football. So, for example, during the week, we had wee Mickey Weirin on another show talking about youth football. And he is passionate about developing players, you know, that you could tell that just by talking uh, to wee Mickey. Uh, that's on YouTube for anyone who wants to watch it. He was a tricky wee player for Hibs back in the day, wasn't he? Aye, really tricky wee player. Um, but we were talking about, obviously, the thing that we've mentioned time and time again, pro youth and is it working? And obviously, 22 years without qualifying, the performance director has stepped down and Malcolm Mackay, there's changes afoot. Um, there is time, I think, there is time for us to re-establish uh, the tradition that that Scotland had of producing excellent footballers I made a point last night I made a couple of points on Twitter but one interesting point I made was and and by the way I I stand to be corrected if if this is wrong in a cumulative transfer Stevie Ollie Burke is the most expensive footballer in Scottish football history he's cost over £33 million in three permanent transfers that's astonishing is it not? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think we, we could go back to grassroots football. I watched Colin and Scott yesterday on the Insomniac show, and they were talking about the nine million pounds that was going to be made available to the SFA because they had qualified. Yep. I think that should be used to create free playing positions, or pitches for kids. Mm-hmm. 
Scott made a great point. There's probably more kids playing football now than what they ever did. But it's all coached. So that's okay if my parents or a parent or guardian can afford 30 or £40 a month subscriptions. Mm-hmm. So the kids who can't play that, they have no access to that. People of my generation, when they were growing up, played 52 and a half hours per week of football. Nowadays, it's between three and a half and four and a half hours per week in coach football and a closed environment. Mm-hmm. So the halcyon days of the 60s when Celtic and Rangers were getting to European finals, Scotland beat England, the World Cup champions at Wembley. Guys played football all the time. Mm-hmm. They went into qualifying for all these World Cup tournaments with great Scotland teams because they were allowed to play football. Now, I'm not harking back to the days of playing in the street because that's gone forever because of the volume of traffic. It would be dangerous. But the kids, maybe from poorer environment, have to be provided with a facility where they just can go and play. Yep. You don't get to the summer holidays and the councils pull the goalposts down because they don't want their parts being played on because they're going to do work. Summer holidays and kids have nowhere to play unless you've got 50 quid to go and hire a five-a-side pitch. It's an absolute disgrace. And if you go just a wee bit more onto that, Scotland have 25 clubs who run a football academy. Mm-hmm. There's 2,250 players per year go through the academies. 0.45 players go pro from the 25 academies. That equates to 11.3 players over the 25 clubs. So tell me, because I don't know the answer, what's the best system? Getting kids to just go and play and enjoy themselves and progress with the natural talents are all these stereotypical wee players that all just did the exact same thing. I know what model I would prefer. No, I think everybody's screaming for the rooftops as well. Stevie, can you see the, there being a, a sea change? I mean, there's there's some changes afoot. I think the SFA have to change uh, in order to make sure that we don't get back into a rut of almost a quarter of a century where we're not qualifying for anything. Do you think they'll change? I think the guy Maxwell in charge of the SFA, he would probably claim that his role would be successful if Scotland qualified for a a major tournament, which mm-hmm. they now have done, and that provides you with £9 million. I don't think enough's been made of Steve Clark's inability to get you into this sort of Group A with the last two performances. His team selections that have lost these two games has potentially lost Scotland an absolute fortune. Neil Lennon gets roundly criticised because he didn't get us into the Champions League. Steve Clark's just done that. If we would have went into that pot A, Iceland are going to get at least a playoff and didn't get a point in a group because of in the height section. Steve Clark hasn't gone in the last two games, Sunday and last night, and that's going to cost Scotland an absolute fortune in money. Mm. Not one bit of criticism. No, no, there hasn't been because of this uh, you know, this follow on from the the qualification. But in reality, one goal in three games, Stephen. You know, as I say, I, I, I'm a Celtic first fan, first and foremost. And when I seen last week after one game, Steve Clark should be considered a Celtic job. I don't want a manager who sets up by pulling in the park, making it tight and make myself difficult to get beat. I want us to be an expansive team that's playing attractive football. You know, I know it's not been great this year, but if we can start moving the ball a wee bit quicker, we've got the talented players who could make that better. We've got the players, absolutely. Have you said to me going to Easter Road on Saturday, and I know it's a difficult game, do we have the players within our squad to beat Hibernian? I'm going to say 100 times out of 100. Of course we have. Mm-hmm. You read out the midfield players that we have at our disposal. It's frightening. There's a, there's a, a real embarrassment of riches there. And one who hasn't probably played as much as some Celtic fans would expect, Stevie, is David Turnbull. Do you think he will feature uh, a wee bit more coming into the second part of this season? Uh, again, without being part of the backroom team at Celtic, as he maybe found the transition a wee bit difficult. There's no doubt the boys are getting the fitness and the ability to play for Celtic. Mm-hmm. But as he just maybe found the jump from Motherwell to Celtic a wee bit difficult and he's maybe just struggling a wee bit. That's the things that we are not aware of. He's a talent that, again, he should be getting maybe even a wee bit more game time towards the end of the game, you know, bringing him on with 10 minutes, then increasing it to 15. You know, the one game that he started, he certainly didn't impress too much. But again, I'm no judging anybody on a game. 
No, you, you can't. And this is the thing. I mean, he got that start against St. Johnson, didn't he? And I think overall it was a poor performance. And um, I don't want that to be stuck in the minds of the coaching staff because we want to see a wee bit more of Turnbull. And the go-to guy seems to be in Cham in that area who, you know, he's not a first pick, but he's the go-to if you're bringing someone in. And you'd hope that Turnbull, who knows the game domestically, Stevie, you know, he knows how to get a result um, or what's required when you go to Easter Road, what is required now. Um, we've spoken about Foster, we've spoken about some of the... Excuse me, but if you look at the, the midfielders, do we actually have enough, or do we have too many creative midfielders who are challenging to start every week when we don't actually have what you would tell them, a real defensive midfielder or a holding midfielder? Mm. Because most of the guys, their best play is in an offensive manner. Creative, yep. So if we get a team breaking on us, then that's when we're a wee bit vulnerable. So if we maybe just miss the boat by no signing somebody who can play that role. I think that's that's probably been taken for granted that we were well covered in the midfield, Stevie. Eh? We had so many players. Um, but it was that type of midfielder, perhaps, that, that we uh, required to go out and get. Some might say Sorrow's that man. I've not seen enough of him. I can't say about Sorrow. Um, an interesting tale uh, during the week was... Desmond uh, was looking at the Atlantic League. Obviously, Celtic have been looking at it for some time, Stevie. And it's been made known that we're no longer interested in participating in developing that concept um, any further than than we already have. So we're either looking at a status quo or a potential British Isles League in the future. What did you make of that? That, that seemed like a, an interesting development on where Celtic will be playing their football in the future. When I heard it and I was listening to the show through Lawrence who brought it to my attention, I immediately just thought it was fake news, Mm -hmm. that there must be something else getting buried somewhere because this has been on the go since Alan MacDonald was in charge of Celtic as the chief executive. So why Dermot Desmond of all people, you know, and it's somebody he I hold in very high regard would deem to say we're no interested in that, I thought. Mm. That's a strange, strange comment. At this particular time, you're going through a pandemic, you're always looking for different avenues to increase your revenue because, I said, you've got a duty of care to your shareholders. Why would he deem that something that I'm not interested in? I really found that a, a strange comment for Dermot Desmond to make. And I really just think it's fake news because I think if, unless you had another avenue in England and the Atlantic League come back tomorrow and says, do you want to be in it? I think we'd be in the first train to wherever we had to play. It seemed to be though the only real option should there be any change at all, Stevie, was to go into a league that's made up of various other countries, maybe uh, with three or four different participants in that league. It seemed like the, the only option available to Celtic. That's what surprised me. Um, and they obviously have made it known that there was a huge amount of sponsorship already in place uh, to try and get this off the ground. And for us to back out of it seemed very, very unusual. And the timing seemed pretty unusual as well, Stevie. So I think we'll hear more about that in the, in the months and the, the years to come because there's obviously going to be massive changes after the pandemic. You know, there, there will be big changes in Scottish football and in global football. Um, and you look at the English game day in, day out, there's more and more clubs struggling financially. Uh, and without a bailout, we'll probably go to the wall, unfortunately. Um, now, there's plenty of other points uh, to cover. I mentioned Ollie Burke. You obviously didn't want to speak to him in the, about him in the slightest but what I found interesting about it right so he's cost over 33 million quid closely followed by Jordan Rhodes over 31 million and then you're going into the 20 million bracket of Kieran Tierney at 25 but that was only for one transfer and I find that astonishing but it's more astonishing that that shows you more about English football than the talent of the players Again I think when you go back to the national team and the transfer I'm going to redo it the most famous Celtic team, and this will roll off the tongue at every Celtic fan. Simpson, Craig and Gemmell, Murder Gunt, Neil and Clark, Johnson, Wallace, Chalmers, Alden, Lennox. Here's why I don't really have any great interest in the, the, these guys that you're talking about. Ronnie Simpson, five caps. Jim Craig, one cap. Tommy Gemmell, 18. Bobby Murdoch, a lot of people think the greatest Lisbon line, 12. Billy McNeil, 29. John Clark, 4. Jimmy Johnson, 23. Willie Wallace, 7. Stevie Chalmers, 5. Bertie all 3, which were all gained in 1959. You know, so he didn't get any when he was really at the peak of his career. And Bobby Lennox, 10. 
So for a combined total of 117 caps. The other side of that is we've got a South African who gets 61 caps, an English national, Matt Elliott, 18 caps, another English national, Graham Alexander, who all qualify to play for Scotland, get 40 caps, giving you a combined total of 119 caps, where the Lisbon Lions got 117. So I grew up in an era when Celtic really, really were disadvantaged by the fact that he played for Celtic. Mm -hmm. I went to one Scotland game at Wembley to watch Charlie, and it was a horrific experience as a Celtic fan. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I then went to watch Morris Johnson when he played for Celtic at Hamden. I took a lot of the Young Boys Club players with us and he was rowdily booed. At that time he was a Celtic player. Yep. So going back to watch Scotland or anything, I hope they don't do well, but I don't have a great deal of interest in any of these people that you're, you're talking about. hope they do well, but it's just no my bag. You don't have an affinity with them, Stevie, and that, that's your personal view on it and that you've got to respect that I think anybody who hears that view gets roundly criticised because there's obviously Lawrence feels exactly the same way as yourself Stevie um, and I think what I said is you know I wanted Susan Boyle to win that competition she was on the telly because she was Scottish Stephen Henry playing snooker you know I want to see Scotland doing well of course I do and I look more at the knock-on effect of youth football now that £9 million that you're talking about takes me back to 98 when Craig Brown wanted to spend all the tens of millions of pounds that the SFA had at their disposal and he wanted to spend it on football pitches exactly what you've said there and it didn't happen because he pumped all the money into Hamden offices and all this kind of stuff and what happened is you know we fell off the edge of the the planet when it came to football we stopped qualifying we stopped producing so I think it is now time to invest in the game and and grassroots absolutely 100% I think it's got to be free yeah it does creating the facility doesn't stop the problem if it's only somebody who knows Craig Brown or the guy at the SFA or knows Big Malky and I can get my boys club into I can get my academy and you've got to come up with 40 quids I want the young boys for the schemes to go Monday night we go up and we book into somewhere wherever the new facility is created yes. and the guy puts them in the book but there's no money changes hands exactly that's when it becomes a good facility mm-hmm. your state of art facility that only the privilege they're allowed to use doesn't work because then you've alienated the guys who became all your good football players we Mickey said you never find footballers in Morningside and I think that that you know epitomises exactly everything that you've said none against anybody that stays in Morningside by the way now Joe Porter has given us uh, his predicted 11 Stevie Barkas El Hamid Beaton Ayer like Salt Brown Turnbull McGregor El Yunusi Christie and Ayeti a 4-3-1-2 I think what you find when you start going through people's predictions is um, there's a whole clutch of six or seven players that get picked for every, you know by everyone and then there's a few that, that kind of get changed about now IH Decorating thanks for joining us on YouTube we broke through the four and a half thousand YouTube subscribers yesterday Stevie we're heading towards five thousand in December hopefully we're also going for a million views on YouTube in December as well as the International Podcast of the Year Awards on the 1st of December we're up against Simon Ferry's open goal so that'll be interesting and hopefully we'll be able to broadcast live from the studio um, we'll see if it'll just be me or if anybody else is allowed at that stage to join me now IH Decorating say winning at Easter Road is the biggest change we could make and it is because the last time we won there was January 2014 uh, Virgil van Dijk scored that day in a 4-0 win Stevie what is that about certain arenas that, that Celtic seem to find difficult going and getting a result in? I, I wouldn't understand that, you know, because if you've got a better players, and again, it's even sometimes guys see the player position, it's only a, a different bit of grass at a different part of the park. There should be no difference. If Berlin have got a marvellous playing surface, we should just go there and play the team in front of us. Forget where you're playing. The guys are much better. Hopefully everybody's free from injury. The effects of COVID. If we turn up and play, we're better than Hibernian and we should be able to beat them. I don't think we should create problems for ourselves about in previous occasions we've not performed here. This is a separate occasion. Yep. It's vital to us. So we just need to get into the mindset. We're going here, we're getting three points and we're going home. 
Absolutely. We treat it as a one-off. Yeah. I mean, I know there's loads of cliches flying around football at the best of times, but we just treat these games as one-offs, Stevie, because we can't look and dwell on the past. I mean, a lot of the games, I say a lot of the games, Neil Lennon was there. We, we found it difficult to beat Neil Lennon's hibs, you know, even when he came to Celtic Park. Um, now, Mr Briggs is commenting again on YouTube, well, I haven't been won over by Barkash yet. I feel a lot of it can be down to the fragile defence in front of him. I'd agree with that. It has to be quite a contributor to his ropey form. He comes in, he's trying to get to know his new teammate, Stevie. There hasn't been a settled defence. When you're looking at that defence at the moment, you and I could debate about Elhamid. I agree with you in actual fact, although I really do like Frimpong. Laxalt's probably, Laxalt and Ayer, I would say, are the two that no many people would actually argue with. A lot of people don't actually rate Ayer. Um, but the, the central defensive partnership, for me, from what I've seen this season, that is the best one we have is Julian and Ayer. Julian coming back, if you go by what Neil Lennon said before the international break, he comes back after the international break. I'd be really surprised if he threw him in because of the nature of his injury, Stevie. Uh, I'd hope to see him on the bench. And I'm just hoping that Ayer and Duffy, after Duffy's exertions for Ireland, where he played pretty well, can start building a, a partnership in front of Barkas because that's one of the key areas that really has contributed to our poor form this season he's nowhere near back to his best Shane Duffy Paul I, I, I watched the games again I watched yourself and Kevin and Kevin thought he was man of the match uh, uh, certainly he, he'd done okay defensively but he brought enough a lot of pressure on himself by trying to pass the ball and possibly out of defence and it resulted in tax day Paddy Power sort of mocked him last night right. saying he should head the ball at defence even though it's on the ground rather than try to pass it so if we are going to play Shane Duffy I hope the Celtic fans don't take this as an egg to sign we should just tell him to clear his lines you know because if we're looking to him to start the moves I think we're going to be disappointed I agree with you you've got Ayer there who's very comfortable with the ball at his feet Stevie Julien's a great passer of the ball you see him doing the cross field passes uh, reminiscent of the likes of Alan Stubbs you, you've seen that I don't think Duffy's got that in his game now when he was coming up and we, we actually spoke to um, Spencer Vignes who's a, a Brighton and Hove Albion uh, author and he gave us a kind of rundown on what Shane Duffy would bring and what we kept hearing was this term the no-nonsense defender and that's what we need from him. We need when they're piling balls into the box for the head to get on it and for the clearances to be made. We don't really need anything fancy at that stage because we do have the ball players. We've got Ayer, we've got Julian. But, but that's where I, I think we're lacking with our defensive midfielder. Because if we had a real quality defensive midfielder in that position, they would prevent the ball getting played into the centre forward's feet. Mm-hmm. They would patrol in front of Ayer and Duffy. Yeah. So the threaded pass through would be unavailable because he was patrolling that area. So the balls going in would be in there where Shane Duffy should be in his element. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want him to have to try and get tight a wee guy who's going to spin him. But if the ball's in the air, and the same way as we'd lost the goal at Murrowell in there that long, your defender should win that every time. So that's what I would expect him to do. If you have to get a shield in front of the two central defenders, that prevents the pass getting fed into their feet. So part of the problem is the ball getting fed through Mm -hmm. because we don't have defensive cover. And when that happens, he looks really, really vulnerable. You have mentioned Beaton because of his performance last night, Stevie. I watched the game myself. And there's been suggestions time and time again about playing one of these guys who have played in the centre-half position as the holding midfielder. Beaton's been mentioned. Ayer's been mentioned. I'm like yourself. I don't subscribe to Ayer being a midfield player. I think he's more effective at centre-half. That's why he's been adapted. Do you think Beaton, and I get his lack of pace and he slows everything down, would he be a good deep-lying midfield player to, to kind of support the two centre-halves? I, I wouldn't be wanting to put him in at Easter Road to try it out. But I think it's a position that he would have the game intelligence to play if he wanted to. <laughs> I think Nier Beton's an extremely talented player, but I think he has a, an attitude problem where sometimes he thinks he's even better than what he is. And that allows him to get took out of position mm-hmm. because he's going to be, give me the ball and I can do anything. R- right now, I, I would, my honest answer would be, no, I wouldn't want to see him playing in that position. But if he was willing to adapt, he 
he's got the perfect height and the physical attributes to play that position. Oh, he does. He does. This is the thing with we, Beaton, and he is very adaptable. But um, when you're playing at centre half and you're being exposed like you were last night, and it was pretty obvious the lack of pace was there. Um, and again, he was uh, giving Big Ollie Burke big uh, cuddles now after the game. The big thirty-three million pound man, <laughs> Sean McCrory. Eight. Thanks for joining us, Sean. You're doing so on Twitter. Last time we won at Easter Road, he's reminding us was January 2014. This game is massive. Every game's massive. I mean, I'm looking forward to a few things in December, like I mentioned. Steve. We're hoping for 5,000 subscribers, a million YouTube views. Hoping for our second uh, national, in fact, international award for the podcast. But I'm looking forward to the Scottish Cup final, 20th of December. Um, Do you think, I mean, there's no way you can write off hearts. They're a championship club. Um, But on paper, it should be something that we should win. But when you're looking at that game and the build-up to that game... As Celtic supporters, once again, it's another stark reminder that we're going through a very historical period in the club's history and we're not able to be there and smell it and taste it and actually enjoy it with our comrades and our family and our friends, Stevie. I mean, what can you do come the quadruple treble uh, day on the 25th of December as Celtic fans to, to enjoy it and hopefully celebrate it? Well, right, right away, I think the SFA have demeaned their own tournament by making it a 2.15 kick-off on a Sunday afternoon. You know, that's your showpiece game. It should be on Saturday at 3pm. Yep. You know, it's not an SPFL thing where people, how are we playing on Saturday? Rangers are playing on Sunday. You join the SPFL board and you join their committee, you put your TV deal on the table and they tell you when you're playing. This is the SFA's Premier Tournament. I think you just need to get the game as an individual and enjoy it and enjoy the historic, hopefully, because, again... Andy Halliday, Halliday, sorry, Stephen Naismith, you know, they've lost the wee guy Hickey. We, we shouldn't be threatened by Hart and Midlothian to, to play in the Scottish Cup final. No, I, I agree with that. And what I am hoping for, though, and it goes against a lot of the arguments that have been made on this podcast, every game between now and then contributes to that, Stevie. So I know even Neil Lennon has almost written off the European games. Every game builds the momentum. It gets the understanding particularly of the defensive players, Stevie, which we've not got yet, um, together. And so that when we're going into that game, we have a run of games where we've actually shown a wee bit that we saw last season. So that, for me, is all about sorting out the goalkeeper in the two centre-half, sorting out the, the midfield issues that we were talking about, and deciding do we play one or two up front? If it's two, who's it going to be? There's people on our show here commenting that they would much rather play Eddie and Griff. I think what's happening there is we're looking back to the partnership they had last season, Stevie. But from what I've seen this season, a fully fit Eduard and Ayeti would be a frightening prospect up front. You've told us, you know, the, the great viewing figures, the people who are subscribing on YouTube. I would love to ask all these guys, and you're never going to be able to do it individually, but you can put it out in a broadcast list. Do they think they know Neil Lennon's first 11? I don't. So until Neil Lennon sort of settles on a formation, all the opinions that we have, all the teams we put out, all the great teams that your viewers should send into the show, they're not alike because we don't know right. what team Neil Lennon's going to pick on a regular basis. As you said earlier, you've probably got seven, but there's three or four positions up for grabs. Mm-hmm. If we could get a settled 11, and I know suspensions and I know injuries will play a part in that, but if you can have 10 instead of seven, then you've got a settled side that should be good enough to beat anybody in Scottish football. 100% agree with that. You you mentioned the Lisbon Lions earlier. You know, it was a almost like a, a rite of passage to be able to memorise that team growing up Simpson, Craig, Gemmel, Murdoch, McNeil, Clark Johnson, Wallace, Chalmers, Holden, Lennox and there's other teams and you remember the centenary team Bonner, Morris, Rogan, Aiken, White, McCarthy and you go on what is the team now? What is the quadruple treble team? That's a great point because everybody's got a different view we don't know what their loving is and it, we should know see, You can't even see who your goal is you can't even see who you're back for no. probably apart from Scott Brown and Callum McGregor and laterally Ryan Christie everybody else is up for grabs mm-hmm. You know, so you've got three. Iyer would probably play nine weeks out of ten. So you've got four certain standards starters. That's not enough. You need to have the base of your team, and that should be at least eight, probably nine, hopefully ten, unless you had an injury or it was a different formation. You were going to play in a one-off game. Mm-hmm. 
Now Gary Doonan is back uh, via Facebook to remind us Scotland couldn't qualify for 16 years between 1958 and 1974 in major tournaments and we had some of the best players in Europe Mackay, Bremner, Murdoch, Jenkins and Law so I mean you look at that you look at that period as well 18 years before we qualified for 74 and you look at the 1974 team I mean I a great collection of Quality Street kids in that team. Unfortunately, George Conley was injured for it. But what a side, obviously. Davy Hay then comes back and moves to Chelsea. Stevie and the, the Celtic uh, Quality Street gang start breaking up. So when you're looking at uh, long periods of time, sometimes, because after 74, we qualify for 78, 82 and 86. So there was four World Cup finals in a row. Um, can you see Scotland moving in, into uh, an era where we could not expect, but we certainly will be pushing to qualify for tournament after tournament. You see, just to simplify that, and it's great to see Gary back on. I know he's been using a different thing, but didn't he see his name? You see, if you're in charge of Scotland at that time, why would you not just play the Lisbon Lions? They're the best. Never happened, Europe. I know. So why don't you just say, use it up playing next week? I know. You know, so for me, that would have solved your problem, and you wouldn't have had to wait all the years. Bertie all three caps, and he got them on 1959. You know, that, that, that's a problem. You know, Scotland get into three or four tournaments. I, I sincerely hope that they do, but I, I don't think they will. I, I think they'll always find a way to work their way with it. We spoke the other week there about culture. Obviously, it was mentioned. A uh, big part of that is mentality. Uh, you know, because you shape a culture, Stevie, and it's, it gets shaped over a period of time. So the culture of Scottish football has been that we're never at the races, we're great losers, you know, we might just about get there, but even when the last minute goal went in, you're thinking to yourself, typical Scotland, it's part of the mentality. But the culture that we had was, we were glorious losers. Almost happy to run about with a kilt on and they see you Jimmy Hart and paint your face blue and white because we're great fans, but I'd much rather see a good team actually winning on the park. So over a period of time, a culture is developed. And I go, keep going back to the comments made by Neil Lennon about Celtic's culture. That culture has been developed over nine seasons of domestic dominance, where we're looking at potentially winning four trebles in a row. And that's what shocked me. The biggest shock for me was the comments about Celtic having to change their culture. Surely we had the, the winning mentality, the winning culture at the club. But, but, but it's everything. And, and again, sometimes I think it's how it's reported. Because I heard after last week when we beat Serbia about how great Steve Clark was making McTominay a centre-back. Two goals you conceded. McTominay's lost a guy for a header. Oh, and then last, last night. night yep. So that's not a great decision. That's a horrific decision. But he gets a pass because he's Steve Clark and he's got you through to a major tournament. Mm-hmm. His record to getting that, if they actually want to examine it, is absolutely horrific. You've got there through default. Celtic and the culture will take care of itself. And I think now I'm glad all these international finish and we can just concentrate on Celtic. And let's get on on our quest for 10 in a row. I think that's the only important thing for us. All these other things right now is a sideshow. And I think if we concentrate on that and we don't have, need to worry about our players going away for international duty, getting injuries, picking up COVID, mm. I think it can only help us. 100% Stevie we'll start off with the quadruple treble then we'll go for the 10 now US man DM on YouTube Roy Aiken Stevie Clark and I attended St Andrews Academy Salt Coats at lunchtime there would be 20 to 25 of us with a tennis ball and jumpers as goalposts how times have changed and Stevie you did produce or Scotland did produce street players uh, for generations and generations and I think what you're saying is very important those days are gone in terms of playing football in the street and all that because of the traffic and uh, people's you know, pride of their property is completely different. You speak to Danny McGrain, they used to play in the, the, the back uh, um, yards where people had their washing out and all this kind of stuff, you know, and it's just a different different generation completely. But there is a way of doing it. And the big thing about Craig Brown and what he said, that 55 million quid, Stevie, after the World Cup in 98, and he wanted 50 parks all around Scotland. Same idea as yourself, where kids could go and play football and, you know, hone their skills. And that's what he wanted. And we pumped all that money into offices. I just see this as an opportunity. Just like back in 2012, I seen that as an opportunity for Scottish football when Rangers were liquidated for change. But Scottish football didn't want to change. 
And this time I see an opportunity to change for the better of youth football. And I doubt it will happen because the people in charge of Scottish football are, are part of the problem. I bet every one of your viewers would know a local playing area in the last 20 years that's been done away with to get new housing on it. Mm-hmm. That's where kids hone their skills. Nowhere a guy where we're so, oh, bloop, you go there, just playing. Whether they are on after the ball, they've got to beat guys, then they'll start playing against bigger guys, they'll get a wee bit more toughness about them, we'll get a wee bit more street savvy about how to get through a game. That's where you learn your skills. Know somebody with a whistle and a tracksuit coaching every single thing you have to do and how you have to improve. Because see if that guy with a whistle and the track is no very good, he's coaching badly. Mm-hmm. Because you've got a wee SFA certificate to see you're a coach, that doesn't make you any good. It only means that you've been able to sit through two hours of drudgery at one of these sessions. Absolutely. You're spot on, Stevie. Great points coming through, as always, um, because obviously people who are getting behind the show, Stevie, make the show. And uh, Drew Mac or Drew Ma. CFC on Twitter great show as always guys do you think we've lost a defensive balance with Julian out of the team now I find that quite an interesting point because when Julian was in the team now think back to the Kilmarnock game one each at Rugby Park Stevie Julian and Aya were criticised that day um, and, and I mean it was a disappointing game one each draw dropping points quite early in the season but we were screaming out for a new central defender at that point. I think when Julian's gone out, it's very much like the James Forrest effect. People then maybe start realising how big a part that player was playing in our success. Julian and I, are for me, are the two best centre-halves we've got at the club. Duffy, the jury, is out for me. If Julian's fit, and he needs to be fit, of course, because we spoke about that in the European game, Stevie, he starts, 100% he starts. I doubt it will be fit for Hibs. Did we lose a bit of balance? I think we did, and I think it also affected the new goalie who was trying to get used to the central defensive partnership of Ayer and Julian. The quicker he's back, the better. At current forum, Julian and I are our best central defensive partnership by a country mile. I thought Shane Duffy would have come in and added that bit of Manliness to the defence, you know, where there are two guys look a wee bit more cultured. It hasn't happened. He's had a very, very poor start to his Celtic career. Mm-hmm. And right now, if there are two guys are fit, he wouldn't be putting them out of the team. No, he wouldn't. He absolutely wouldn't. And I think there was this view that we might play with three centre-halves. That's not worked either. So the chances of Duffy being in the squad, or sorry, in the starting eleven, with Julian and I are fit, for me, are slim to none at the moment. But when we're playing with the three central defenders... It's encouraging to them to attack, as I say, and you got the great praise, and rightly so, for the goal at Perth. But when that doesn't happen and you're attacked, you're left one and one at the back. Yep. With a guy who's not got any great mobility. You no. know, so you have to have a balance between offensive play and a defensive setup. I'm not saying that everybody's to stay behind the ball and every game's got to be zero zero, but you need to have a balance where it's going to work correctly. No, you're absolutely right. Now, Paul Bosas, who uh, contributes to the show regularly, welcome to the show, Paul. You're commenting on Facebook. Isn't it a fact that the Lions team, as we all know it, only actually players as such very few times? They only played together. Um, I actually worked this out for one of my books. I think it was 12 times as Simpson Craig game all the yep. way through. Um, the last time they ever appeared together, Stevie, was the first game in the following European the well actually the, the game where they all appeared Evan Williams was in goals wasn't he even though Ronnie came out but it was the game where they played in Europe and they got put out against Dynamo Kiev the following season and uh, Jockstein vowed at that point not to play them again because he didn't want them to be losers um, you know so interesting there was at least four or five others who contributed plus all the many others who contributed to the, the Eros nine in a row no, no, that, that's why you've got so many Lisbon lines but I'm only saying that team because they roll off your tongue so easily absolutely you know, you can add a great Celtic players who were part of the lines but that was the 11 who started the game and how they were looked upon or frowned upon basically by the SFA you know because I wouldn't imagine the other guys who contributed to that would have again a great amount of caps either no, I, no, they wouldn't. I mean, probably John Hughes would have more than, you know, Charlie Gallagher was capped for Ireland. 
John Fallon wasn't capped. So Joe, Joe McBride got a couple of caps, but obviously injury curtailed that. Willie O'Neill. So you're absolutely right. I think John Hughes got caps kind of younger in his career, but he didn't care much for playing for Scotland, uh, by all accounts. So no, you're spot on, but it's almost like reciting alphabet. You never forget it, do you, no, when you start Bobby talking Butler in the Lisbon lines? Playing for one of the international games, one of the selection committee says to him, what are you doing here? You know, it's... I, I, I don't know how they, they manage to maintain their dignity and continue turning up because as a, an individual I'd have been like I'll just go off me because I'm get me my bag oh absolutely especially if you've got a young family and you're travelling here there and everywhere else and, and it's not the way it is now you know there was three and four in my boarding house it's no first class all the way well on that point Gary Doonan made a point about us not qualifying for 18 years before the 74 World Cup Stevie when I was writing the Neely Mocking book he, his son young Neely um, gave me access to all his paperwork, photographs, um, memorabilia, etc. And there was the World Cup itinerary from 1954. This is brilliant stuff, like excellent, you know, th- things you just don't see. Um, and I was telling you where you were meeting and all the rest of it, but it did actually list everybody in the party. Now, there was 13 players, 13 players in the travelling party. All the other, all the other people travelling were SFA. So it was SFA and their wives, and it's listed them all. So only 13 players. Incredible, but that shows you again how that that whole old boys network was set up back then. They weren't that interested in putting a team on the park, and of course they got gubbed seven nothing uh, over there as well. well one, of, one of the greatest victories for Scotland fans to recognise and celebrate was beating England in 1967. Mm-hmm. Bobby Lennox got off a train at the Central and made his way home to Shawcoats on the train. You know, imagine that happening now. Well, you're coming up after beating the world champions at their park and having to make your way home in the train you know the guys are saying about the, the Scottish players and the Celtic players being away this week apart from the actual game their travel is the best of travel the mm-hmm. best of hotels they probably actually get more of a rest in international duty than what they would if they were playing at Celtic Park and at Lennox down this week yeah yep. you know, no, you're they always moan about the boredom because there's nothing to do I know. go to stay in the hotel Aye. and especially now with Covid the restrictions are such that they're not being able to go anywhere no no exactly now Jaffa Cakes 2019 commenting on YouTube Duffy is overrated uh, looked at the standard of clubs he's been with for the last 10 years we're a step up for him and it's a step too far um, now Mark, who is commenting via YouTube, welcome back. Mark, if Duffy is on 50 grand, how much of that are we paying? I've heard figures 45, 50 grand. Duffy said himself, Celtic are paying his wages. Unlikely, uh, 45 grand, Stevie, but they're playing a, a massive part of that. And then Martin uh, Bickett comes on via YouTube to say Benkovic was a decent central defender. I was flying the Benkovic flag. Um, I think you can put him in the same category as Paddy Roberts and Fraser Foster. Stevie is, maybe the ship has sailed, who knows. Do we need another centre half in January? If, if, if Shane Duffy's not going to work out, then I believe we do. I'm a wee bit different from your callers. I don't think we should be judging Shane Duffy on his wages. I think we should be judging him on his ability mm-hmm. and his performance as a Celtic, which right now aren't up to our standard. But I think whatever wage he gets, well done to him and his agent, but we shouldn't be judging him how much money he gets. No, he's here. we just got to look at his performances, Stevie. So we're looking ahead to Easter Road. We also ran a competition yesterday um, whereby we are giving away, this week and next week, a bottle of gin. So this week is Frank McAvaney. So this was given to us by Simon Donnelly, our special guest yesterday, Stevie. And we basically asked for our viewers and our listeners to subscribe on YouTube. And what we'll do is we'll have a look at the last 100 subscribers over the last few days. And we'll pick one who wins the prize. So give me a number, Stevie, between 1 and 100. 72. 72. I'm going to count it back. And the 72nd person from the most recent um, is going to be winning a bottle of Frank McAvaney gin. Now, St. Rock's done a gin as well. That went down a storm, didn't it? Yep, that's all away. It's all sold out. No problems with that. Again, thanks to the guys at Eden Mill, Tony and Kiara for their, their great support and getting that gin out to everybody. So it's went down an absolute storm. And I dare say it's a a fantastic product oh it is I mean I was looking at that that bottle Stevie and I would have bought it just to keep it 
You know, it's not something I would have kept. I would, uh, drank, I would have kept it. Uh, obviously, the oh, centenary. Unfortunately, Big Andy's selling that way water in a new because he's drank all the bottles. So if you get a new one, there's water that's in it. It's a nice bottle, Steve. It's a nice bottle. Give us a wee update on the Rock House things going down at uh, James McGrory Park. But, but we're doing okay. Th- things are, we've started the season really under difficult conditions. So well done to Paul. Kevin and Ryan McStay who are the manager and the coaching staff and all our players for the terrific sacrifices they're making and the guys behind the scenes like Big Ken and Billy and Paul and Ted and Terry and me Roddy you know it's there's a few others I'm sorry if I missed you out Tam Kerr etc they're the guys who do all the day to day work by Gordon Hammond who's 76 years of age you know we've made him honorary president and he comes in and works his socks off brilliant you know so that, there's great work being done at the club by a lot of great people and they are which make the club go on a day-to-day basis. It's great to hear. So, so but, but we're doing okay. We're going to be faced with some more challenges, obviously, now due to the restrictions that Nicholas Sturgeon's brought in. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to Tier 4 in Glasgow. Yeah, um, it's going to be difficult, Stevie, absolutely. And what you'll probably see on a Celtic state of mind is far more people dialing in um, to the studio rather than travelling from areas that they're not allowed to travel from. So all that's left for me to say is hey, thank can you. Can I just say before you go, Paul, to the young man who phoned in last week about me keep saying, you know, Slavia, Prague, I watched it back and I was in stitches. I must have said it about 20 times. So for him, <laughs> Sparta, Prague, and I apologise for spoiling the show for you. Sparta, Prague, that's it. I know. How, how could we forget? How could we forget? Well, you say it in front of me and it's just in brain freeze and just keeps <laughs> try to forget the results Stephen you try to blot it out your mind seriously uh, we've had loads of people getting involved today so thank you everybody for tuning in on Facebook Twitter and also on YouTube get subscribing on YouTube if you haven't done so already uh, but all that's left for me to say Stevie Mullen once again it's been a pleasure thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind great, Paul. thank you so thank much. gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.